When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. Good morning, everyone. This is the Falcons podcast on Monday morning after a thoroughly convincing Detroit Lions victory over the Atlanta Falcons. My name is Scott Kennedy. You probably already know that if you're in here this early watching. I live in Atlanta. This guy over here, he's in Seattle. His name is Nick Kendall. So we're coast to coast with your football. He gets up nice and early this morning to help join us. And, and Nick, just give me your 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 Twitter version of you know what were your thoughts leading this game, and then uh, then we'll get into it a little bit. Um, actually, I, I want to ask you something else. As Facebook opens up and starts finding people, as our audience starts to build, I want to hold off our first reaction, you know, for a few minutes while that happens and more people start joining the show. I have a question for you after a weird Sunday of football. Which team is had the worst loss? It feels the most embarrassed. And I'll give you uh, some multiple choice on this so you, you, you have a look. Broncos, Jaguars, Ravens to the Colts, Jaguars to the Texans, the Bears, just because they're an absolute dumpster fire. So you can kind of put Bears and Broncos in the same category. Or the Cowboys to the Cardinals. Ooh, I mean, embarrassing. It's probably still got to be the Broncos giving up 70 points to fall to 0-3 on the season. Maybe it's because I'm close to the situation, but 70 points and you had the Dolphins kneeling the football at the end on fourth down when they could have gone for the record at 73 in field goal range. I mean, that's just, it's unfathomable. We haven't seen a game, I think, scored in the 70s in the NFL since the 60s. Uh, So that is a crazy embarrassing Cowboys losing to the Cardinals is up there as well, just because the discrepancy, but it's the NFL, right? They, yeah. We always say it's the NFL games are tough. You know, things can happen. Well, the 
Dolphins did not make it look tough. Look tough. Putting up 70 points just is unbelievable. I mean, they averaged a first down per play. Uh, it was that's it's that's an un, un, unfathomable football game. Yeah, I, I I would agree with you on that one. I think as an organization right now, the Broncos and, and Bears are not happy. But now that we've gotten some people come in and people say, hey, what are these guys talking about? They've left. Uh, the, the numbers are climbing. We want to uh, say hello to some folks that have come in and then we'll get into the game. Big Ant was in here nice and early on YouTube. Says, good morning, Scott and Nick, as well as my Falcons family in the chat. That's all y'all. Says uh, John Harrell. Says, good morning, Scott and Nick and Falcons family. The only good we can take is the defense played uh, pretty good. Yes, they did. Uh, I think they actually probably played beyond pretty good. They played well, not just like pretty good, but pretty good. Uh, mm-hmm. They 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 did really well. Um, and, and and Big Ann agreed. Greg Elrod says, good morning, everyone, except our O-line, who's probably still asleep. <laughs> um, Roger Cook, spanked. That's what he thinks. Michael Rancio, good to see you, my friend. And thanks again for all of your support in the last couple of weeks for this show and the things we do here, Michael. This is good morning, Scott and Nick on the Falcons podcast. And Ryan Adonis, he's ready to make a change. He says it's Heineke time. He's ready to make a change. We'll get into that. Rare says he's a good guy, has a winning attitude, uh, no talent. And and like I said, we'll, we'll, we'll get into all that stuff. Victor Belletti says, uh, hey, guys, really worried about the play calling and design of the passing game and regression of the OL. How do you see improving those areas? We'll we'll get into those. I uh, want to finish saying hello to some folks. Roy Freeman just says the NFL's rigged. Harry Marshall says, play calling suck this week. He's over on Facebook. He says, had to say this before I head back to work for my lunch break. We'll appreciate you coming in, Harry. Make sure you hit a like on the way out. It looks like we've got, you did. You hit the love button. Anthony Evans says, good morning, guys. Tough loss yesterday. At least the Saints lost. Maybe Tampa will lose tonight. Fishy, good morning, Scott and Nick, but it was more... Was it me or was Pitts jogging on the first deep pass to him? He certainly didn't look like a 4-4 guy who could stretch out at six foot six and cover a lot of ground. Um, but, you know, it wasn't the best pass in the world either. Dave says, good morning, guys. And Rusty Moore says, okay, let's get right to it. The OL can't blast pass block, nor have they been able to the last three years. When Ritter has time, he's inaccurate. And uh, the, uh, the Kyle Pitts body language is starting to indicate he is not happy. We'll get into all of those. There's some good good points and everything coming in. But Nick, what was your uh, you know your first reaction to this to this game? And then you've you've had a night to sleep on it a little bit. And uh, you know what are what are your initial thoughts? The Falcons' offensive pass game is not where it needs to be uh, at this point. I mean, it still can go uh, get better this season, but for right now, it looks discombobulated. The routes don't seem to be connected to Ritter's feet at the end of the uh, the end of his drop back. He doesn't look super comfortable and the offensive line looked leaky at best in pass protection. So those are my thoughts. Uh, I don't know if Ritter is the guy or not, but the offensive scheme and uh, just in general looked uh, discombobulated and not good enough this week. Yeah, I, I agree. Um, you know, that said from May till this morning, we had this one penciled it as an L. Mm-hmm. from the Atlanta Falcons. Um, the Detroit Lions are a good team. This is a team that went into Kansas City on the first week of the season and won, and it wasn't a fluke. This Detroit Lions team is good. I know they were beat up a little bit, but the uh, the the home crowd helps with that a little bit. It knocks off some of the signals. So, And again, it's uh, and what I'm going to get, and I, I absolutely agree, it's not that they lost. 
It's that they looked so bad doing it on the offensive side of the ball. The defense absolutely gave them a chance to win this game, and they never really looked like they they were going to. 13-6, to six, you get the ball at the 40. Best field position in the game, you can't move the ball. Um, and, and it felt like, you know, Nick, we, we say it all the time, and it's a 17-game season. Maybe you're working on some things. I don't know. But you're – Arthur Smith will hit the effort button at least once a half, and I'm just going to run the ball. It felt like they were trying to force the passing game. Nice cloud coverage. The Lions could get pressure with four. They'd come up. They'd, give, they'd let, the, let you catch it in front of them, and then they'd come up and rock you. Uh, there were some pretty vicious hits from the Detroit Lions uh, secondary linebackers in this game that um, the, the Falcons never really adjusted to. The offensive line, supposed to be the strength of this team, didn't play all that great, and Desmond Ritter missed, his, missed a lot of open chances. Yeah, he just didn't look comfortable the whole game. Uh, hit his backdrop. I know that pressure was coming, uh, but still getting his ball out to the guys. I mean, Ryan Adonis also made a good comment. Brian Branch was all over the field in this game for the Lions. Uh, he might end up being winning uh, defensive rookie of the year. Uh, really a good chance for that, actually. So, yeah, it was a, a rough game for the Falcons. I am curious. I mean, Des- uh, excuse me, Dejon Robinson only finishes the game with, uh, what was it, 10 carries, considering that you were, you know, in it still. I, th- I feel like they maybe should have hit that, you know, F it button like you talk about and, <laughs> Ran into the run game. Yeah, he had some a first good... downs. Yeah, yeah. I mean, if you know, they gonna... only had twenty carries overall, they only carried the ball twenty times. You know, this is a team. It was thirty-eight passes to twenty carries. Does that sound like what the Atlanta Falcons want to do in a close game? That's not like they went down by three touchdowns. This was a yeah. close game, and it was two to one passing, Nick. Yeah, which is uh, pretty surprising. I mean, sure, I'm sure some of that was dictated based on coverages but uh, i mean also desmond ritter's first true road start i mean i think i'd try to protect him a little bit more uh with the run game with less uh drop back stuff but credit to the lions uh they had a really good game aiden hutchinson dominated a lot of his matchups uh getting pressure back there i mean seven sacks you go over the stats other than the yardage what really stands out is the uh, the sack differences between these teams which makes it pretty darn hard for a team that the falcons if they are not playing ahead of the sticks that drop back pass game looks Poor. So just too many third and longs, the obvious drop back stuff and uh, not good enough in this matchup versus the Lions. But as you mentioned it, we talked about it to start the season. Not only did we say this was a loss uh, for most predictions, but we kept coming back to it as, is this the toughest game they'll have all season? Yeah, because the schedule is that soft. I mean, it might end up as the toughest game they have this yeah, season. They're in so. first in the in the north away game. This likely on paper right now looks like the toughest game. Uh, the Saints had a chance to go 3-0, and lost their quarterback. I had the Saints in there at first when I was talking about embarrassing losses. You know, 17-0 or was it 17-3? They were cruising along and lost that game. I'm like, no, they lost their quarterback. They, the Saints get a pass on that one. Um, I'll uh, I'll give them the, the benefit of the doubt on that. Um, again, 2-1. to one. What's, what's interesting to me, Nick, and this will come down to the quarterback play, part of it, I just kind of led the witness. You were looking at sacks, 7-0, right? Now look at the hits. Look at the times they were pressured. Look at the quarterback hits. It was nine to eight in favor of the Falcons. So the Falcons hit Goff nine times, nine times. I don't remember him getting hit nine times. Nine times without sacking him. Every time they laid a glove on Desmond Ritter, it was a sack. Desmond Ritter led his press conference yesterday saying, I need to get rid of the ball faster. 
You know, he wasn't going to say anything about the offensive line. The offensive line was complicit in a lot of this. Mm-hmm. But he does. He's got to trust his reads, get rid of the ball, and overall improve. Uh, and I don't, I don't think he's going to disagree with this. Yeah, and that I Rus- want to... Rus- sorry, Rusty, you want to come in on Facebook, and then I want you to... to I'll, I'll hand it back over. So I just can't comprehend we spent a fourth overall pick on a unicorn, the eighth pick on a wide receiver, and eighth pick the next year on a running back, and a bunch of money on the OL, and we don't have a competent quarterback play caller to use those weapons. Nick, this sounds familiar. Why is it so dangerous to draft receivers in the top 10 for this Atlanta Falcons team? I feel like I know the answer to this one. I mean, wide receivers are a quarterback pass game dependent position, right? You got to have the guy out there before you see that. I mean, I'll, I'll always think about Randy Moss with Oakland. Not that Kerry Collins was, you know, absolute garbage out there, but, you know, going from Oakland and uh, they trade a first round pick to get him and then they ship him off to New England for a third. And he sets, I think, the all time uh, single season yardage record or whatever it was for that and Patriots team. 50 touchdowns and 20 yep. of them to to Randy yep. Moss that year. Yeah, so it's, I mean, it really does depend on the quarterback and the passing scheme. Ritter didn't look like it in this game. Now it's still early for him, and we're still going to find out. I don't think it's time to switch to Heineke just yet, but this is, you know, if you're watching the progress board, this is one in the column there for that. Uh, but yeah, Desmond Ritter did not look like the guy. He looked like somebody who can come in and caretake an offense and, you know, maybe that backup quality guy, but as the starter goes, didn't see that. And a good point about him, not uh, anytime there was pressure, he wasn't able to create out of there. I mean, you drafted a guy who you're hoping to have a little bit athleticism and we're seeing him get, you know, the hand on him. He goes down on that one, not able to really create space when the pressure is happening, hitting the back of his drop back and looks like he's not sure where to go with it. Is that offensive scheme issues? Is that him not trusting getting the ball there? Have to go back and watch the all 22 to watch that. But overall, the pass game was not nearly good enough. And uh, with the amount they went to it, it meant that it was going to be a loss on this day in Detroit. I mean, zero plays in the Lions red zone, I believe. I mean, you, you can't do that and uh, win football games, of course. Oh, yeah, there's a pretty good stat, too. You talk about not moving the ball. They were thoroughly beaten in every phase of the game. Uh, but the Atlanta Falcons defense, you saw, again, I talk about the alpha franchises and then the Lions and the Falcons of the world. And this was two Lions and Falcons playing each other. Detroit's dominating this game. So what do they do? They give up 10 penalties for 120 yards. They throw an interception when they're up one score and open the door. But the Falcons being, you know, the Falcons don't take advantage of it. You see, when these type of teams play each other, you'll see it again when the Falcons play the Cardinals, each team tries to give the other team a chance. (laughs) It seems to happen more times than not. Falcons just weren't good enough. And the Detroit Lions were good enough at home to, uh, to take advantage of it. And, and, um, you know, once it was two scores, you felt this thing's done. This thing is way over. Chris Walker says, morning, everyone. Tough, tough loss, but a good opponent on the rise. Pass blocking needs a lot of improvement. Play calling wasn't ideal, and the defense was a definite bright spot. Lots of good on the defense. Grady Jarrett was an animal on the inside. David mm-hmm. Onyemata was a handful. A lot of those penalties, you talk about hitting the quarterback nine times, they forced four holding penalties, Nick, yeah. on the offensive line. The, the, the Falcons' front four was really good. I thought this was the best we've seen from both Troy Anderson and Caden Ellis. Um, the back end of the Troy secondary okay. still concerns me in the passing game a little bit uh, with personnel-wise. You're hoping Jeff Okuda, he got some snaps. Maybe he can step up a little bit. But Richie Grant is still too hot and cold for me for a safe 
50 for a guy that you're your last man back. He's still a little too inconsistent for me right now, Nick. Yeah, I mean, uh, Bates had another interception. He looks exceptional. Ellis is okay. I saw Anderson got hurt. Let's hope he's okay. I don't know if there's any update on what his injury prognosis is. And uh, also did want to shout out uh, Clayus Campbell, I thought, had a big game. Your interior defensive line. Until he bit on that Jared Goff uh, RPO, you know, yeah. one option there. Yeah. That wasn't an RPO. That was just a, a read option off yeah. the tackle. And Campbell looks over his shoulder and just pounds the turf. He's like, damn it. <laughs> yeah. I mean, did you expect Goff to keep it there? No, they've been gashing him up. The, you know, they've been no. getting, re- they've been doing really well in the yeah. seams on that one, Nick. So, but I think overall Campbell had a good game on Yamada and also Grady Jerry getting doubled all day. And he had still, you know, good amount of pressure up there. Ellis did well. Falcons team. I mean, you talk about the secondary. I'm still looking for that true, you know, Hunter at edge of that Bud Dupree had a fine game, but you're still, I mean, you're looking for a number one at edge if you can help it with this team, but defense wasn't the problem in this game. Uh, far from it. The offense didn't really give them much of a chance. Uh, the past, we talk about hitting the effort button with the run game, but you're averaging 2.2 yards per carry. At some point, you know, a team's going to be able to scheme out a bit of the run game there, and you need to get some stuff with your drop back pass game. We've talked about it all offseason, right? At some point, the drop back pass game is going to have to make a difference. You cannot, the game. Yeah, you cannot just, you know, easy patty cake play off the run because you're going to get behind, and it's the freaking NFL. And the drop back pass game wasn't here in this one. Was it the concepts? Was it the pass blocking? Was it Desmond Ritter? Is probably a little bit of all of it. Uh, but given the infrastructure they paid on this, uh, paid to build this offense given the scheming that was utilized to try to stop the run game here the 2.2 if the falcons are going to go where you want them to go this is a test that they have to pass uh, in the future and they've failed it outright in this one why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them with royal caribbean you don't just go to the beach you visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in north america you don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. Michael Poole comes in over on Facebook. He says, Ritter isn't a franchise quarterback. He's a placeholder until we get a franchise QB. Seven games is a good sample size to see what a QB is going to be. Here's here's a problem with that, Michael. Getting a franchise quarterback is expensive. Mm -hmm. Really, really expensive. You were drafting four, eight, and eight and didn't get a quarterback. Now what? Okay, you were hoping, like we said all along, if you hit on Desmond Ritter as a franchise quarterback, that's a cheat code. And and it's a lottery pick. The odds of hitting on a, a third rounder for a franchise long-term guy, they're, they're slim. Um, they're out there, but it's it's slim. So if you feel like you're a quarterback away, Nick, because you've built all the pieces around it, what does it cost to go out and try and get that guy? I mean, unbelievable amount. You're either paying for somebody who a team is ready to move on from, which then you have questions on that cough, you know, Russell Wilson, Broncos, Seahawks trade, or you're moving up in the draft for an astronomical cost for an unguaranteed player. Uh, I mean, we saw that the look no further than what the 49ers just did with Trey Lance. I mean, all those picks, imagine what they'd be if they had just, you know, sat back there and taken, you know, Mac Jones with that pick or whatever, rather than having to trade up and all those third uh, first round picks. So yeah, it's expensive to get that quarter. Yeah. I mean, on that team. yeah. 
pretty it would be pretty crazy. Uh, so I mean, they, they, the pick they end up trading ends up being Micah Parsons. Imagine Micah Parsons on that team with uh, Nick Bosa. That'd be crazy. Yeah, God, I'm teasing. I'm teasing. I'm teasing. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, it's uh, yeah, Ritter Ritter didn't look good in this one, and uh, that's the big thing we talked about all season. This is a year that the Falcons team is still building. Um, defense looks ready to go, but it's going to come down to Ritter in the end. And I think this team, you know, the schedule, everything is good enough, uh, simple enough that I think you can still waltz into the playoffs, even if Ritter isn't your guy. But this is a game where we're going to circle back to in the offseason. And, you know, let's say the Falcons finish 11-6. Well, look at the Ritter, the record they had under Ritter. 11 wins, playoffs. I mean, they have to go with him again. Well, is it because of him or is it because of this, the infrastructure around him? I had that question yesterday. I'd, uh, I was out with uh, my baseball dads as we're all sitting there watching uh, watching games. And they said, okay, Vegas, you got to go to Vegas right now and put 10 bucks. Is Ritter the, the, the guy or not? I'm like, well, what what are your what are the what criteria? The <laughs> it's like, what are the criteria? He's like, he's like uh, you know, a playoff franchise guy. I'm like, well, they could take him to the playoffs and he could still not be the guy. Mm-hmm. So it's like, what's, what's your criteria for the guy? And Michael, if if you're not drafting a quarterback in the top five, it's you're either gonna have to get lucky, which which happens, mm-hmm. or it's gonna cost you the equivalent of three first round picks and or fifty million dollars in guaranteed contracts uh, a year. Yeah. Um, it just it's expensive. Now I'm on record over and over and over again. I would have taken Justin Fields with the four. That might not have been any better off. Would you be any worse off right now with Justin Fields than Kyle Pitts? No. Maybe would, Fields has been pretty bad, but but would he have been better in this offense? You know, the, the Chicago Bears know. are a dumpster fire too. You know, yeah, would you he have been know. better with Justin Fields sitting behind Matt Ryan for a year and then going and playing to Arthur Smith? Maybe, but the point is, you're getting out of Justin Fields about what you're getting out of Kyle Pitts, which isn't much. You're getting replacement level player. You you wouldn't. And that's what I mean by would you have been worse off? No, because if you don't have the quarterback, it doesn't matter who your receivers are. That was my whole contention back in the day. So drafting, spending that kind of those high draft picks on receivers when your quarterback position is unsettled is. It's questionable. It's questionable at best. The one thing Um, I will push back a little bit on that is that. It's in the short term, that's a good point, but you all are always hunting for that guy. And kind of like you're talking about the dumpster fire that Justin Fields has right now. Well, it's kind of chicken or the egg, right? You got to have, you got to at some point build the infrastructure around the quarterback, whether that's before they're there or after. And this is an experiment of, you know, Desmond Ritter. You got the pieces here. We can make excuses for him all day, but talent wise, I mean, even if the pass protection is not good enough, you're not doing enough to mitigate the pass rush, like you mentioned, the the pressures to sack rate is going to be the, probably the worst in the NFL this week uh, and uh, maximize the weapons. So there, there's plenty of blame to go around on the offenses this bad. But was Desmond Ritter looking like the guy in this one? No. And if he oh. looks like this more times than not, um, we'll eventually see Ryan Adonis's guy, Tyler Heineke out here. Taylor. Or, Taylor. Excuse me. Taylor Heineke. Uh, or uh, you'll be look you'll be hunting in the uh, quarterback. uh desert out here with a lot of teams this offseason luckily it looks like it's a deep quarterback draft yeah and, and the, the contention though is okay you've built this infrastructure around it but not necessarily with draft picks because you'll be in year four of kyle pitts's contract next year and you're still could possibly yeah. be starting over now question is are we ready to punt on desmond ritter based on the first three games of the season i'm not at all no. uh he's the seventh game and 
The other thing is Taylor Heineke, uh, not Tyler. I'm glad I get that right. Thanks, Scott. Uh, is uh, we've seen enough from him that it's not like he's this, you know, mystery box that could be something here, high draft pick. He's kind of a entering that journeyman path as well. And you still think that Parsons can, or excuse me, Parsons, uh, Ritter. I see some Parsons comments in the uh, the chat, but uh, you, you still can get more out of Ritter. This was his first road game of the season and it looked bad. Uh, you're going to learn a lot from him going into next week now, uh, traveling again, I believe, on the road, right? Is it Falcons, Jags coming up here? Uh, so that's that'll be an interesting one. And uh, I'm going to be interesting, no doubt. Ryan Adonis also interesting, saying paying Tyler Heineke, Taylor Heineke $10 million a year. We don't need money sitting on the bench. You're paying him $10 million a year. That's backup money, though, at the same time. And you're not and, sure and you're about not. it yet. You're not. His cap hit this year is $5.7. He's got a, he's got a one-year $6.3 million contract with an option. Basically, yeah. so he signed a two-year deal with six point three guaranteed, which means it's a one-year deal for six point three with a dead cap next year of basically nothing. His dead cap next year would be two million, so you'd have to eat two million if you moved on from him. Mm-hmm. His cap hits at nine, so unless he's the starter next year, he will not play on that contract. You would cut him or resign him or extend him or do something else. But his cap hit is five point. Uh, what I just say seven five point seven this year. His dead cap next year is two. So you're paying him 7.7 over two years. So that's well into backup money. That's definitely not starting quarterback money. That's for damn sure. Yeah. But I mean, again, just the end, uh, not good enough from Ritter and the pass game to keep in this one. And uh, it's going to send you back to the whiteboard. I mean, it was one that felt like all, you know, systems fail. The uh, guys not really getting open, the passing concepts not really matching up very well. Uh, The offensive line getting beat in their one-on-ones up front. And Ritter looking lost. I mean, how many times did he hit the back of his drop back and, you know, pat the ball? You know, he hit the back of a drop back. Ball should be coming out. Yep. Where am I going with it? Now, is that him not trusting? Is that him not seeing it? And then not to, you know, praise him too much or, you know, be too tough on Ritter. But then you see Jared Goff, Goff at the other end. Everything's on time. Everything feels like it's, I mean, he's still getting hit and whatnot, but he's hitting the back of his drop. He's throwing tight window throws out there and the, the ball is moving. Uh, it felt like they were, they were hunting in that one where Ritter would hit the back of his drop back and not trust where he's supposed to go with the ball or not trust that he can get it there without putting the ball in harm's way. And that just led to a dysfunctional offense. And if it looks like that more times than not uh, going forward the rest of the season, then he'll be out of a job. Yeah. And, and I feel like if they move away from Ritter, it's not going to be like, take a month, take a week off. It'll be yeah, you're now we've made a decision, back. you know, yep. they're going to, they're all in on this season on Ritter. And if they don't, then they're going to be in the market for quarterback. And they might be anyway. Mm-hmm. David has a good question. I think that's going around a lot of people right now watching this about the predictability and, and whatnot. Do you think Arthur Smith needs to delegate play calling duties? I'm not there yet. Uh, we've seen a lot of good from the Falcons offense as well. And again, this was a very good Lions team that was coming off pretty pissed off because they dropped a game they shouldn't have the week before versus the Seahawks. And uh, they just looked ready to go and they had a good game plan for what they were going to do against the Falcons. So it's just one game. Uh, it was a game that we expected them to lose. Now you kind of get yourself right on back on track. Falcons being two and one is about where we expected them to be at this point too. You're on schedule. This was a bad, this was an ugly feeling loss, but not something that's going to derail your season. Everything you want is still in front of you and you're still evaluating the quarterback. So don't abandon ship. Uh, you know, just, this is a battle lost, but a, a lot of war to go. Joe Cannon, great morning to you, Joe. He says, Fields can't read a defense. Would have been better with Parsons. That's the only player who would have filled a void for us immediately. 
Um, the question with him was at inside linebacker at the time. Um, you know, if, if he was, if anybody thought he was going to be the dominant edge player that he is, he he would have gone two overall behind Trevor Lawrence. So, but the thing is, I actually wrote at the time after his pro day, Micah Parsons pro day numbers is good news for the Atlanta Falcons. Cause I advocated trade down, trade down, trade down, trade down, trade down. And Micah Parsons tested even as a linebacker, Nick with possible that can come in and rush the passer the way he tested. I'm like, he, he may have just tested his way into the top five, mm-hmm. which gives people more options that the Falcons could then trade down. Um, you know, and, and talking about someone other than Fields, as I'm watching these guys out there and I'm watching the other teams running these crossing routes and getting their playmakers the ball so they can do something after the catch, I'm seeing same, same, same out there with the Atlanta Falcons. Big, not overly quick. Nice jump ball type of guys, contested catch type of guys, but not separation guys like Calvin Ridley in his prime. Um, You know, like those, like we see all over the fields. Amon Ross St. Brown, we saw them work him into space, run after the catch over and over and over again. The guy that's closest to that is actually a running back, Bajon Robinson. Is the lack of diversity on this offense, and could that get better when Cordero Patterson, if and when he's ever freaking healthy and on the field, could that could that help? We know it'll help the team. Could it help it more than we're giving him credit for? Yeah, I think so. And I mean, you talk about it. Who are the yak guys in this offense right now? I mean, maybe you could start to utilize Bijan more in a receiver type of role as well. I mean, you want to use Tyler Algier so much, right? You love him. Uh, so maybe you can get Bijan out there. But you make a good point about the the type of dynamism and weaponry you have in there. I mean, who are your space players right now? Who are your speed guys that you can feel on the perimeter? I spent all these uh, resources on wide receivers, but they're a little bit redundant uh, right now and I, there'll be some games where you know you're going to be happy to be the bully ball with the size on these ones and you can you know play post up the whole game but and th- this is one where you know the the cloud coverage and they're teeing off on you know, you need somebody to you know create some yak after the catch and get make easy catches turn into you know extra three yards extra 10 yards 15 yards didn't have it in this one yeah and, and you're talking about the cloud coverage they're totally uh crowding the middle of the field and towards the end, uh, Silas Draven comes in and mentions two balls in a row. Good Lord. Where he's throwing them high on in routes into safeties and linebackers where I don't remember if it was John o. Smith and Mac Hollins. I don't remember who it was, but on back-to-back plays, Ritter throws these guys into coverage and they take shots to the ribs. I mean, when we talk about hospital balls, those are the hospital balls. I've had a big debate with another podcasting host about a hospital ball and no, a jump ball is not a hospital ball. Throwing a guy into an oncoming defender is an on, is a hospital ball. And he says, I'm not ready to move on from Ritter yet, but he needs to not throw hospital passes and quit out overthrowing receivers. Um, and that was when he had time to pass the ball. And by then, they're so out of rhythm, Nick, that you're, you're discombobulated. Yeah. Um, we're going to close out of here with Jacqueline Gackwood. Jack, she goes by Jackie and Jacqueline, depending on where she comes in. Jacqueline Galloway coming in with a super sticker. Thank you so much for the support. And we're going to get out of here. We go 30 minutes on Mondays, but Nick and I will be back on Wednesday. We'll get some injury report updates. We'll talk more about the game. We'll look forward to next week as the Falcons look to go three and one. Because after three games, Nick, 
what was a record we were expecting that we set all year that this team need, this team should be probably will be needs to be they'd be about two and one right two here one. yep this is two and it, one and maybe i have a little bit more perspective than you guys in this one because my Iowa Hawkeyes got beat 37 to zero and then turn around the next day and see my uh, Denver Broncos lose 70 to 20, but this was an ugly game, but you're two and one. And this is one that you have a lot to work on and build on how you look next week against the Jags. I think will speak a lot falling to two and two um, is like, okay, now we are what's going on with the team. But if you come out and then it's three and one this in the NFL, sometimes you're just going to get out schemed. You weren't ready for that one. You didn't get up for it. So that's uh that happens, and that's what happened in this Lions game. Your defense, though, looked good. You're going to be in games this year. Can the offense get it right? I trust Arthur Smith uh, to at least work on things. Maybe Desmond Ritter isn't the guy, but this is this is still a playoff team. That that said, we had the team two and two after next week too in London against the Jaguars. Yeah, but the, we also thought the Jags would be better than they. Yeah, but I mean, but so. but still, you know, yeah. you know what I'm saying. So two and two, we're still not ready to abandon ship. This is. No. A team, I, I've said all summer. This this is our last two years. This is this season. This is the season the the rebuild can begin in earnest, meaning can really start accelerating north. It is. They're not there yet. Nobody ever said this was a Super Bowl team, but they they need to look. They need to play better. They know that. We know that. You know that. Now let's see it. Let's see them play better than they did, and they'll be in London. So we'll have a nice early game next Sunday. On that note, we're going to get out of here. We're going to head over to youtube.com slash milehighhuddle if you want to join us to talk some Broncos. That should be fun today if you're in for a little uh, schadenfreude. Um, Come join us for Broncos talk after they gave up 70 with the Dolphins kneeling it down to end the game. On that, But we are going to get out of here. Thanks, everybody, for joining us. Left my window open. You see my my window. The sun sun's starting to come through. Glad it didn't hit me in the face. And we're going to leave. Appreciate you joining us. We'll see you Wednesday, same time, 9 a.m. Thanks, everybody, for being here. Peace.